From Michigan Radio, this is It's Just Politics. I'm Zoe Clark. Michigan Republican delegates met over the weekend and chose a new leader of the Michigan Republican Party, Christina Caramo. She is a far-right election denier who still has not conceded the race she lost as the Republican Secretary of State candidate last year. We will ask, just what does this mean for the future of the Michigan Republican Party? But first, Michigan State University students returned to classes on Monday, a week after the shooting that killed three students and injured five more on campus. But also on Monday, outside of the state capitol, just a few miles from MSU, teachers, students, and activists with the group March for Our Lives called for more gun safety. What we're doing right now is the country is not working. The cycle that we're in of endless debate in action is not working. Last Friday, we spoke with Democratic Senator Rosemary Baer. She had just helped to introduce a package of gun safety bills in the Senate. This week, the state House announced a parallel set of bills. What's in them? And can they pass? Joining us today is Clara Hendrickson, politics reporter with the Detroit Free Press. Hi, Clara. Hi, Zoe. Thanks for having me. Always great to have you here. And Simon Schuster, Capitol reporter with MLive. Hello, Simon. Thanks for having me. And Rick Pluta, senior Capitol correspondent with the Michigan Public Radio Network and co-host of It's Just Politics. Hi, Rick. Hello. Clara, let's start with you because you have really been diving into this new legislation. What gun safety bills did House Democrats announce this week? Sure. So they announced measures that are going to sort of mirror what was proposed in the state Senate last week. It's a trio of proposals that Governor Gretchen Whitmer said she wants lawmakers to pass, and those are establishing a universal background check so that all folks who are buying a firearm have to go undergo a background check, a red flag law, which would allow courts to issue an extreme risk protection order to temporarily take away firearms from those that they deem posing a danger to themselves or others, and a third one that would require safe storage of firearms to prevent firearms from getting into the hands of minors. Simon, one of the things that we've heard from Democrats is that they had been wanting to do this package of bills even before the traumatic events at Michigan State University. What is the possibility of seeing even more in the wake of last week? Yeah, I think that that might be a tall order for Democrats. They enjoy only very slim margins of one or two votes between the House and the Senate. And Although students that I talked to at the protest were certainly calling for more things such as a ban on assault weapons, one student that I talked to said that in order to purchase a firearm, they'd like to see people have a required psychological evaluation as is required in some countries. But in terms of the prospects for candidates going beyond that, that's uh, a tall order. Great Lakes Gun Rights, a Second Amendment advocacy organization, has promised to recall any member that votes in favor of the three pieces of legislation that Clara just uh, described. So in terms of the political pressure and, and the, the heat in this moment, it's going to be pretty high. It, it will. And, and certainly those margins matter, although I think that um, this far into the session, a successful recall would be a uh, would be a heavy lift. But we could be talking about lawmakers being primaried, especially if we see, you know, some Republicans cross over and support, uh, you know, support some of these. And we could see these being issues where Democrats are representing more conservative parts of the state. Well, let's take a listen really quickly to Brendan Boudreaux. He is the executive director of this group, Great Lakes Gun Rights. If they think that they're going to be able to quietly pass these bills without repercussions, I think they're fooling themselves. 
Clara, and yet we know from recent polling, we talked to Rich Shuba of Glenn Gariff Group last week specifically about this, that Michigan voters are actually in favor. When you ask about support for background checks, when you ask for support about red flag laws, and when you ask for support about safe storage laws. Right. Public opinion has not really been the barrier to getting gun safety measures supported by Democratic lawmakers passed. These are all things that were proposed in the wake of the Oxford High School shooting last year that didn't get a hearing and didn't get sent to the floor for a vote. So now with Democrats in charge, that won't be the case. These bills are expected to get a hearing probably next week. Um, There was supposed to be a hearing this week, but that got canceled due to the ice storm. I think Simon raises a really interesting point about sort of what happens after these measures get taken up in the legislature. Democratic lawmakers I've spoken to repeatedly have said that this represents a starting point. And I'll be curious to see if that's really the case, if we do see more measures get introduced further into the legislative session. But I I know that um, public opinion is something that Democrats are sort of eyeing as, as a key factor here. I spoke to State Senator Bayer about these proposals, and she said one of the reasons why Democrats are introducing these first is because they have such strong public support. Simon, I'm curious when you say that you've been talking to students, um, some of these activists, is there that understanding? I mean, it's sort of an awful thing that here they've been through this really traumatic event. Is there an understanding of sort of the politics behind of why Democrats don't feel like they can go this far? And for them, does the politics even matter after the last few weeks? Yeah, I think that um, it's really important to sort of look at this through the mindset of the population that was most affected in this mass shooting, which is college students. And for them, these are kids who are, you know, 18 to 22 years old. They have grown up with the idea of school shootings and mass shootings being a reality in their lives for the entirety of the time that they've been around. This is uh, past the Columbine generation and, pe- and kids who grew up uh, hearing about Sandy Hook, you know, when they when they were in elementary school themselves. And so I think one of the most telling moments and perhaps sort of the reality checks is that two days after the shooting, there was a rally at the Capitol and a bunch of Democratic legislators showed up and gave really powerful emotional speeches. And Mallory McMorrow, a state senator from Royal Oak, insisted, you know, with her voice breaking up that this time is different. And behind her, all of the Democratic legislators erupted in applause. What you didn't see, though, was that same reaction from the students. There was a smattering of applause, but I don't think that they're going to really see a lot of confidence that there's real reform until it's on the governor's desk and signed. I think that Simon just nailed it. You know, that, you know, Democrats who came in in the wave of the last election, even if it's a slim majority, are feeling a that they have a mandate to do um, something about this and that there will be a price to pay if if they don't. And both House Speaker Joe Tate and Senate Majority Leader Winnie Brinks have spoken about these measures in terms of the beginning of, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, the beginning of a culture change, that these are not necessarily things that individually on their own would have changed what we saw happen at Oxford and at MSU, but that they're supposed to be the beginnings of a reconsideration of how we look at guns and gun rights in Michigan. Clara, you and your colleagues at the Detroit Free Press did some really intensive work over the past few weeks, and you got in touch with 
every single or tried to get in touch with every single lawmaker in Lansing and asked them some basic questions about where they stand on gun bills. What did you find out? Yeah, this this was a heavy lift. So in the wake of the MSU shooting, we called, emailed, we followed up in person, stopping by the offices of lawmakers we didn't hear back from. I'll just mention that that it was a pretty good workout that day when I was walking around the Capitol. But I don't think there were a ton of surprises in the, in this survey. I mean, we learned that there were plenty of Democratic lawmakers who responded and offered their their full support for the measures that have been put forward. Um, one thing it was interesting to hear is just the number of Republicans, particularly in the state Senate, who supported at least in concept the proposals with that caveat that they're you know going to want to see how the bills actually shake out before they're voted on. But I was a little bit surprised by the number of Democrats in the House who just didn't respond to the survey at all. And then there were some some Republican lawmakers who just declined to participate. And even if the results don't sort of offer anything that's sort of crazy and unexpected, it was just sort of fascinating to see who took the time to respond and put themselves on the record when it comes to these three measures in the wake of another mass school shooting in Michigan. Again, really powerful work from the Detroit Free Press. You can find it at the Free Press. We will also link to it here at Michigan Radio on the It's Just Politics page. That is Clara Hendrickson, politics reporter with the Detroit Free Press, Simon Schuster, Capitol reporter with MLive, also joining us, and Rick Pluta, senior Capitol correspondent with the Michigan Public Radio Network. Let's turn to the GOP convention. This weekend, Republican delegates gathered to choose their next party chair, and they chose an election denier, Christina Caramo. Simon, remind us who Christina Caramo is. Yeah, Christina Caramo is someone who emerged through, as you note, election denialism. In the wake of the 2020 election, she was at the TCF Center and spoke out and gave testimony saying that, you know, she saw fraudulent activity and that this election was illegitimate. And she has sort of parlayed this initial role into, after two or so years later, uh, the leader of the Michigan Republican Party. I mean, this uh, convention was really sort of a coronation for the grassroots. And this was a process, a sort of natural succession. Uh, from establishment to grassroots that has happened, you could stretch back from not only 2016, but to the Tea Party in 2010. This is something that has sort of been a long time in the making. Republicans, establishment Republicans are really, I mean, I don't think they are surprised by this, right? Because this is where their party has been going. But some of them are just kind of despondent. Rick, you spoke with Tony Daunt after this new chair choice of Karamo. Daunt is a longtime party activist. Uh, He is one of the board of state canvassers right now, Republican member of the board of state canvassers. I want to take a listen to this conversation that you had with him. It's a couple minutes long, but I think it really shed some light into how many Republicans are feeling right now. Uh, Let's take a listen. Based on what you saw this past weekend, what is the state of the Republican Party right now? Um, I think it is, frankly, at its lowest point since I've been involved and probably one of the lowest in in the history of the great party here in Michigan. Um, it's, it's unfortunate, and I think it's going to take a lot of work to dig out from the mess of the last couple of years. What do you see the Republican Party under this new leadership being? Yeah, I, 
based on the, the history of the individual who's now chairwoman, I think it's going to further devolve into a, a host of conspiracy theories and essentially uh, kind of old man yells at cloud. It's going to be unproductive. I can't envision any of the traditional donors opening their pocketbooks for this administration in the Michigan Republican Party. I don't see how they're going to keep the lights on in the building. I, I think it's, it's ultimately going to fall to res- responsible adults like um, Eric Nesbitt in the Senate and Matt Hall in the House and, and other responsible folks who have been involved in the party for years to come up with a plan on how to help Republicans, particularly the state House, and then things like judicial candidates. Um, you know, there's some important Supreme Court candidates up this coming cycle, and it's going to be up to people to come up with a plan that works outside of the, the party <laughs> structure to get anything done, I think. Do you think that those responsibilities that are traditionally held by the state party devolve onto the caucuses? Do they devolve onto organizations like the Freedom Fund, um, something else? I, I think it'll, it's going to take all of those groups and more working in conjunction. It's, it, it's such a new, new situation, such a, you know, there, there's always been kind of, you know, factions and battles and, you know, is who's going to control the party? Who's going to win the chairman's race? Uh, this is, this is completely different from those battles where the, unfortunately the people who are in charge now uh, have shown zero credibility to lead an organization, zero credibility to put forward a serious message, and zero credibility to utilize donor funds responsibly. Rick, a new world? Oh, absolutely. And we should point out that Tony Daunt has an insider's understanding of all the things that a political party is supposed to do in terms of organization, in terms of fundraising, which under this new leadership, we have seen just crater. We're now pretty much a week out from the Republican convention and the Michigan Republican Party still has not updated its website to reflect the new leadership, which is about as basic as it gets right now in terms of you know modern organization that we are seeing the small number of donors that have lifted up the Republican Party in recent years just abandon it and Christina Caramo says that well they'll make up for that with small donors but that's not something that happens in very short order and it's I would say almost an impossibility that the current leadership of the party is going to be able to create that kind of a fundraising organization in the time that they have before the next election. Yeah, I think that one of the the major things that's really sort of gone undermentioned here is that despite all the hand-wringing and despondency that's been projected by, you know, traditional party insiders and establishment figures in the Republican Party, they really made their own bed here. These chairs are elected at the precinct level from delegates that are elected in each precinct. And so grassroots, what they've called the, the America First precinct delegates, have had a really organized and well-motivated recruitment and training program for these delegates for years. And if there's been any sort of response, alternative message for delegates in any other faction of the party, I haven't seen it. So this is something that's been a long time coming as America First delegates, as they call themselves, have taken up an increasingly large portion of the party. So there is an inevitability to this that I think the um, 
a lot of people saw coming, but didn't feel they could do anything about. And that's something that I think people are going to be taking a look at for a long time. You know, one of the problems, and this is in, in both the Republican and the Democratic parties, but we're really seeing it in the Republican Party right now, is that the people who show up at conventions to make decisions are not a cross-section of the voting public. And so the idea is that usually at conventions that, you know, you sort of, you know, get your troops together and then, you know, you sort of mollify them by going hardcore, but you try and persuade everyone that you still, it's in everyone's interest to attack more to the center in a general election. And, you know, Republicans are doubling down. And Clara, in just about the final minute we have left, I mean, you've been covering this now for years, this sort of Republican struggle here in Michigan. I think a lot of those folks who have just voted for Christina Caramo are sort of like, bring it. We want to go even farther right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that obviously we're seeing a lot of longtime party insiders pretty upset about this outcome. And I think the the takeaway is that, you know, in Michigan, political parties aren't just about sort of party insiders and infighting. They play a really big role in state politics compared to parties elsewhere. For example, it spells out in the Michigan Constitution that at party conventions, they nominate the attorney general, the secretary of Mm -hmm. state, the state board of education. So when it comes to, you know, why should everyday voters care about what's happening inside the Republican Party? Well, they get to decide who ends up on the ballot and who voters get to to cast their ballot for in, in major elections. Exactly. That is Clara Hendrickson, politics reporter with the Detroit Free Press. Simon Schuster, also here, Capitol reporter with M Live, and Rick Pluta, senior Capitol correspondent with the Michigan Public Radio Network. As always, I could talk to you three forever and ever more, but we got to run. Thank you so much for your time and your brains. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks. Again, to check out the work that the Detroit Free Press folks did. Again, getting in touch with all Michigan lawmakers to see where they stand on gun safety bills. You can check it out. We've put a link to the story on the It's Just Politics page at michiganradio.org. And that is It's Just Politics for today. I am Zoe Clark. Hope you are staying warm and safe. Let's talk again next Friday.